We begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast. We pay our respects to the Elders past and present. We extend our respect to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Hi guys, welcome to Bumps and Besties, a podcast about navigating the journey to motherhood through fertility struggles, friendship and all the bumps along the way. I'm your host Lexi, along with my co-host and bestie. Hi, I'm Amy. Our podcast is here to explore the often tricky, usually emotional path to motherhood through the lens of two besties on two different paths. Laugh with us, cry with us, and know wherever you're at on your journey, you're never alone because your besties are here and we have your back. Hi guys and welcome to Bumps and Besties. This is our second episode. Hello. So Amy, how are you feeling this week? Let's check in. Where are you at? What are you doing? Um, so this week we have confirmed that we are ready to transfer next week. So Woo-hoo. we are doing an embryo transfer, just one embryo, we think. And so I am just taking the last of the hormones and testing we've finalized to get all ready for that. That's so exciting. Yeah. And where are we at? Well, we have had a week, let me tell you. <laughs> So I think one of the things that people don't talk about enough, or certainly I never knew of before I had a baby, is that the terrible twos is not the beginning of tantrums. <laughs> it is not. Your the... nine month old is having tantrums. He is, he is. Uh, I thought it was just a me thing. And then I checked in with my mummy's group and uh, women who also have nine month old boys are also in the same boat. So we have a new tooth coming through, which, you know, causes a lot of drama on its own so he has just worked out how he can sit up in his cot and he is nine months old cannot walk cannot crawl but loves to climb all over everything so at 8 30 on monday night we had to drop the mattress down in his cot to the lowest level which usually you do when your child is walking climbing all that we had to do it because he was sitting up in his bed putting his little chubby arms over the railing and sticking his head out over the cot (laughs) while he was supposed to be asleep. So, yeah, it's been quite the week. We have a snotty nose, we have a brand-new tooth, and along with that has come a brand-new attitude. So if you take something off him that he was playing with and enjoying, he is going to absolutely crack it. So that's that. And also this morning I realised that there is quite a large gap between the person I was maybe five years ago and the person I am now. Hubs and I were out at breakfast, just a nice little breakfast, the two of us, well, the three of us, obviously. (laughs) And uh, he always has Fridays off, so let's do something together on the morning. So we went and had breakfast and Ted's just sitting there, calm as anything, eating a little of my scrambled eggs, eating some avocado. He just had a pouch of fruit and without warning, he absolutely just vomited all over himself all down the high chair that the cafe had given us all over the floor and there were two people sitting behind us we were in 
brickworks which if you know the gold coast is a bit of a fancy area not somewhere we would usually go for breakfast but we just happened to be in that area for something else so we were there and these two influencers were sitting next to us and they literally got up and left oh god and i was just like okay well you know it wasn't a big deal to us we were like oh okay this is happening teamwork one's on the vomit uh, the other one's stripping him down the other one's cleaning as much as they can we've got bags we've got wipes we've got hand sanitizer where you know it's, it's the whole thing we can clean up crew really quickly and easily and then we got him back and settled into his pram and then went back to our breakfast and they were just mortified and I was like oh okay yeah I spent a few years ago <laughs> a bit closer to being on their page absolutely yeah. absolutely if I was out to breakfast with my bow and a child vomited next to me I would be terrified and I would also leave the cafe but now I'm just like oh yeah that happened that's life that's normal never mind he's clean now back to my eggs and, and <laughs> avocado so yeah it was a bit of an eye opener this morning fun times nine months yes it's it's a whirlwind that's for sure (laughs) all right so we're gonna delve a bit deeper into your birth story today yeah absolutely we thought it's always a good place to start is the beginning i suppose i will go back a couple of weeks before he was born because there were as i previously mentioned in our first episode a few little hiccups leading us up to the big day Mm -hmm. I think that the thing is that you always think, oh, you know, I'm going to have this beautiful natural birth. And when you're doing your classes and everything, all that is discussed is the actual day of birth Mm -hmm. and your natural labor and how to progress and what kind of medications you can take and how to bring labor on if you're not getting there. And then you sort of do one little class on, oh, yep, C-section sometimes happens, so this is what you need to know about it. And it's not really discussed that much, which I find really strange because after I found out I was going to have to have a C-section due to my complications, I found out that the majority of women that I know had C-sections. And the one that had a natural birth around the same time as me had such a traumatic experience that she wished she'd had a C-section. So So they're much more common than we're led to believe. Yeah, absolutely, which was a real surprise to me. Backtracking, let's say, 10 months ago, and I was getting ready to have my baby, my little teddy bear, he was breech, which is that he wasn't in his proper birth position in terms of where he needed to be situated to go down the birth canal and come out naturally. So he was breach since about 25 weeks and I had tried all the things that everyone says you should do and I watched all the videos on YouTube and I'd listened to the podcasts about moving him and he just wasn't going and it was really really frustrating so my OB didn't really say much to me until about maybe two or three weeks out from us giving birth and she was like oh yeah he's he's not gonna move like I I really don't think he's going to this late you know most people the baby moves into position a lot earlier sometimes they will move and she just was very sort of blase about it and was like oh yeah don't think he's gonna move so we probably should book you into it for a c-section with a breech birth in Australia in the hospital that I was in it's not recommended to try and birth naturally a breech baby mm-hmm. 
There are added complications. I think if anybody is familiar with it, they might have come across Kim Kardashian saying she had a natural breech birth. It is a little bit more dangerous in terms of if you don't have a team that's used to birthing breech babies, it is not advised to do so. There are hospitals around the country and around the world where it happens, but in my country, in the region that I live, it wasn't suggested that we move ahead with trying to naturally have a breech baby. It's just deemed an unnecessary risk that you don't need to be taking. Exactly. Exactly. So it's dangerous for mum. It's also dangerous for bub. So I found out about two weeks before I was due to give birth at okay, I don't think he's going to move. We don't want you to go into labor because you're having a breech birth. And, you know, there's no point in you starting to labor if we're going to have to put you in for a C-section because sometimes that can just rush things unnecessarily. So they booked me in for a C-section on the Friday. I was pretty upset when I first found out. Like I said, I didn't know anyone that had been through that. So when I found out, so I was you're playing those expectations before you found out Ted was going to be breached and you were going to have a C-section. You had hoped for a natural birth. Yeah, you had planned that all along. That was kind of the vision you had. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd chosen my hospital specifically because they had facilities for water births. That was what I had envisioned because I'm I'm very comfortable in that environment. So I had thought, well, this is going to be a really good way to help manage the pain. As I was discussing this with my OB leading up to it, she was like, yeah, we'll let you labor in there. And then when you're ready to actually pop out the baby, we'll get you up onto the bed and you can deliver on the bed. It's Mm -hmm. just easier. They can see everything. If there's any complications, they can act a lot faster rather than trying to intervene while you're in the water. And I was quite comfortable with that. I was like, okay, that's great. I can do all the, the hard stuff, the labor, moving up to the actual birth in the bath, be comfortable, be ready, be present. And then when we're ready, hop out, do what needs to be done. So you had a plan and the C-section was definitely a spanner in the works. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that I wasn't expecting it and then I certainly wasn't expecting my OB to be so relaxed about it. But in her words, oh, I had one and then I got back to work two weeks later. It was so normal for her that she hadn't even sort of thought that it might impact me in any way. Yeah. And I guess... That just goes to show how common it is. (laughs) Even though when you're in your birthing classes, it's literally one class is about that and every other class is about labour and birth and delivery in a natural, I put that in commas, scenario. Yeah. So for me, it was a real shock and I was really upset about it. I was like, I can't believe this. I took it upon myself. Like, I've done the wrong thing. My baby is breached. He hasn't moved because of something I've done. And I was really active throughout my whole pregnancy until about two weeks before. Like my job is just quite physical as it is. And I tried to make sure I was exercising regularly. I'd walk every day. And I was like, maybe I've done something wrong here because my baby's breech and he's not moving. And that's a problem with me. So I took it quite personally that I was then having this huge surgery as a result of something that I'd done, which is not Not true. the case at all. No, but that's just how I felt. And then once I realized that that wasn't the case and it wasn't actually anything that I'd done and it was just how he'd grown, I got a little more comfortable with it and I spoke to some other mums because I I put myself out there and I said to my Instagram and my Facebook and I don't have a lot of 
follow it or anything. I'm not an Instagram person, um, but I just put it out there because I know a lot of mums, people I've gone to uni with, gone to school with, and I just put it out there and I said, has anybody had a C-section? Can you let me know what your experience was and see if they were okay to chat with me? And my inbox was immediately flooded with people that I hadn't even spoken to since university or since school that were like, hey, yeah, I had both my babies C-section. This is what happened. It was really great. One of the girls in my birthing class, she ended up going a couple of weeks early, so she didn't even finish her birthing class. I was actually the one that was supposed to go first in our group, but her baby was born about six weeks prematurely, so she went into spontaneous labor six weeks early and ended up having a C-section because they were worried about the baby being preemie, <laughs> and she talked me through it. She's like, oh, here's my number, call me. I will run you through everything, and she was fantastic, and I was like, okay, I feel better about this. I'm okay. We'd sort of gotten to that point of being like, okay, we know that this is happening. And then a further complication of the fact that he was breached, he had a very high chance of having hip dysplasia, which was never mentioned to me from my OB. It was the fact that my husband's a radiologist and saw on all the scans that my little man was constantly frank breach. So that means his feet were in front of his face every time we had a scan. And obviously leading up to the birth, you're getting scans quite frequently. It's about every two weeks, I think. So every time he'd get scanned, he was like, oh, that seems really weird. And he'd asked a few of his colleagues, he's like, oh, my wife, she's not a very big person. And this is, you know, the OB had said, oh, he just doesn't have enough room. Next time you'll be fine because he's, you know, going to stretched out. So don't worry too much about it. But he couldn't move his feet away from being in front of his face. Mm-hmm. And you think about the fact that he'd been like that since 25 weeks. He'd had quite a long time to grow in that position. Yeah. It's not the way that is ideal in terms of babies should be able to move around. They need to be able to uh, get themselves into the birth canal. So they need to be able to flip themselves upside down. So if they can't move their legs in any way or bend their knees, it means that they can't sort of help themselves to move into the right position. So that's what was going on with our, our baby. And it was probably like the last scan that we went in and Hubs came along and he said to my OB, just point blank, he's like, is that kid going to be having issues with hips? Because I scan these kind of kids, I've seen them. Is that something that is a high chance? And she was like, oh, yeah, I suppose it is. So they're really blasé about the whole thing. Really blasé. So then, you know, we're two weeks out from giving birth and I'm like, oh, my God, what does that mean? And she didn't really go into any detail either. And that's fine. Like, in her words, she said, oh, you can have a chat with your paediatrician. It's more something that you deal with on the outside than the inside. There's nothing you can do about it once they're growing and they've got, if they have hip dysplasia in the womb, there's nothing you can do about it. You have to wait until they come out. Then it can be assessed and then treatment can be applied to the child. So I started freaking out. I was like, what does this mean? What is hip dysplasia? I'd never heard of it before. Again, is this something I've done to him? Did I cause this? Like if I'd done more yoga, would this have been different if I'd run every day? Because I stopped running throughout my pregnancy because my GP was like, look, I don't recommend it for you because you had 
the pain and complications at the very beginning of the Mm -hmm. pregnancy. So she had said, like, can you just find some other form of exercise? Your ligaments are really loose and, you know, maybe it's not right for you. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So then I started going through all this list and I was like, what could I have done? Change this outcome for my baby. And again, no, it wasn't anything I had particularly done. Uh, We found out afterwards that my husband's dad's sister was uh, a hip dysplasia baby as well. It was treated differently back then because we're talking, you know, 60 plus years ago. It is something that is hereditary. So if there is, or it can be, I should say. So if there is a history of it in your family, there is a chance that it can happen. But it wasn't even something we discussed. Like I literally had never heard the words hip dysplasia until about two weeks before I gave birth. And only because hubby noticed it himself on the scans. Exactly. So if he hadn't have noticed, you guys would have had no idea. Until until the day. Yeah. 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 Until Ted was outside. (laughs) So that was definitely a bit of a shock, but that's okay. Everyone has something and that was the thing that we had to deal with. So it was what it was. So fast forward that week, the week I was supposed to give birth, so we checked in. He still hadn't moved on the Monday. They were like, okay, that's fine. You're definitely not going to be able to do this naturally. I'm so sorry. Let's book you in for the C-section. So I got booked in for the C-section for the Friday. Mm-hmm. I... I think I literally took an order or had an order returned or something on the Monday and then I had, so I had to sort of pack down that the week I was supposed to give birth and I was like, that's fine. And then I had this old chest of drawers I really wanted to do up for him and I was like, that's it, I'm going to do it. I've got a week left before my surgery. I know I'm going to be on my back pretty much for a good couple of weeks after that, so I'm going to do it while I can still be active So I started doing up this chest of drawers on the Wednesday. Mm -hmm. You and I went to lunch that day. We thought we'd have a last catch up with the two of us. Yeah, we were like, okay, this is the last chance we get to just have a ladies lunch, just the two of us. We went to a really nice restaurant and I was so uncomfortable the whole time. (laughs) And moving and you could tell that you were just not able to sit comfortably still. Yeah, absolutely. It was really difficult. And I, remember sitting across from you and you're like are you okay and I was in the foulest mood and I felt so bad because I was like this is our last girl's lunch and I'm in such a crappy mood and I'm not being good company and he just kept moving so much and I said to you I think this kid's trying to get out he's feeling the walls we were making a really good joke about it thought it was the funniest thing in the world yeah Little did we know. Yeah, finish our beautiful lunch. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I've got to go home and finish this chest of drawers. I think I'd sanded it in the morning and I intended to paint it that afternoon. So I bid you adieu. Meanwhile, my parents are in the middle of their move. So they were moving out of a place that they were living about 25 minutes from us and they were moving into a place that was five minutes from us. And we'd had some complications of people moving out and then moving in and the place that they were moving into wasn't what it should have been. So they'd moved in, I think, on the Tuesday. And so all this stuff was still in boxes. And I said, hey, guys, why don't you come over for dinner tonight? I'll cook dinner. You've got nothing in your kitchen that's unpacked. 
come around. I'll make a really nice meal. You can feel like you're at home. Let's enjoy the fact that you guys live five minutes from us. Yep. So they come over for dinner. Again, I'm like a bit uncomfortable, still probably not in the best mood. Couldn't really put my finger on it. I was really sweaty. I just didn't know what was going on with me. And I was like, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to enjoy this. My parents are here. This is lovely. We're not really going to get a chance to do this until a couple of weeks after Bub settled. So let's just try and have a good time. Mm-hmm. We have a beautiful dinner together. I start cleaning up. They head off home, literally walking out on the driveway and waving them goodbye. It's like seven o'clock at night, maybe a little bit later. And I just feel this trickle down my leg. And I was like, ah, and I'm waving and I'm smiling and I'm looking at my hubby and I'm going, honey, I think my water just broke. And he looks at me like, what? Are you serious? Are you sure? Are you sure? And I'm like, well, I'm not sure, but maybe I've just peed myself. Uh, It's not a big gush, but there is a significant amount of water going down my leg right now. And he was like, oh, I think you're in labor. And I was like, no, no, no it's all good. I think we're fine. And he started just, he went straight into doctor mode. He was like, okay, I'm going to get everything ready in the house. I had my hospital bag packed, but the next day, because I knew that the Thursday would be like my last day of freedom. So I'd like booked in to get my nails taken off because I had acrylics. So I was like, I'll go get that done. I'll get my eyebrows waxed for the last time. Um, you know, I'll buy all my hospital snacks. So I've got fresh fruit, nice fresh food in my hospital bags. I, again, I was supposed to have my C-section on Friday morning. First thing, I was the first cab off to rank on Friday. <laughs> Anyway, so starting to stress a little bit at that point, and I was like, oh, my God, I have all these things I have to do. And I was like, okay, maybe it's not full labor because I hadn't, I, I wasn't in pain. I didn't have any contractions at that point, and I didn't have what they describe in the movie as the big gush. It was just like a pocket of water, like maybe a quarter of a cup. So more than like if you sneezed and you had a really full bladder, it was a bit more than that, but not what I expected as part of like my waters breaking. Yeah. You didn't understand there was a puddle forming between no. feet, as you see in the movies. No, it's exactly nothing like what it's presented like. Yeah, I mean, it can be, but for me it wasn't. Yeah. So at that point, Hubs is running around. He's getting the dog ready. He's calling people. He's like, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. He's getting our hospital bag ready. I'm like, he's like, you need to call the hospital. And I was like, no, no, no I don't want to do that yet because I, I knew a hundred percent. I knew in my head that that's what was going on, but I didn't want to accept it because I had this day planned for myself the next day. Also didn't get my chest of drawers finished. So <laughs> that was on the agenda for the next day to finish as well. So I was like, no, no, can't, can't have my baby tonight. That's crazy town. I have plans for tomorrow. So I was like, it could be Friday. It's not meant to be Wednesday. Exactly. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go and jump in the shower and wash my hair. Also had very dirty hair because again, I was intending on doing that on the Thursday. So I had to wash my hair. I had to rip off all of my acrylic nails in the bathroom because I was like, I can't be trying to deal with a newborn and have these like half on half off acrylic nails. Like I don't want to be dealing with that. So I'm jumping in, I'm scrubbing everything down. I'm trying to like shake my legs for the last time and who knows how long. And then I finally get out and Ash is all ready to go. He's like packed. He's got everything set. He's like, I've got your hospital bag ready. Let's go. And then I called the hospital and I was like, oh, hi, 
hi guys, but this is my situation. This is my patient name, number, blah, blah, blah. Um, this is what's happened. And she was like, oh, okay, you need to get to the hospital immediately. And you need to check in as soon as you get here. And she's like, don't go to like the, don't park anywhere else. Like you need to come here immediately, bring your bag, just be as if you think you're not going to leave. And I was like, you know, I'm not having distractions. I'm sure it's fine. So we just park in the normal car park. I waddle over to the hospital. Um, you know, we check in as, you know, saying, hi, you know, we're, we're this person and we're that person and we're doing this. And, you know, I think my water's broken, but I'm not really sure. I'm not having contractions. It's probably nothing. And they're just like, oh, okay. So when are you booked? And I was like, Friday morning. They're like, okay, this is about 10 PM now on the Wednesday night. So they take me into a little room immediately and, uh, they put me up on the bed and, they strip me down into a hospital gown and they put on all the monitoring bands, bands on, onto my belly. And she says, you're, you're not the only one tonight. So she's like, you are our number one priority because you have a breech baby. Yeah. That, that rings alarms for them mm -hmm. um, because they don't want me to go into full labor because if I do, then they have to try and deliver this breech baby, which it's 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night. My OB doesn't work. Thursdays so she wasn't going to come in either because she was like oh by the time it gets you know delivered it'll be Thursday morning it's not my it's my one day off so I'm not you know gonna come in so they had to organize different OBs anesthetist team everything and they said okay we've got six ladies in who are all in labor in active labor some of you will have to have a c-section you absolutely have to you were the first cab into our theater if you start having contractions at this stage i hadn't so my water had broken a couple of hours earlier but i wasn't having any active labor contractions they put on the bands she goes i'm going to go and check on some of the other women if you don't go into labor active contraction labor tonight we can wait until the morning when the other, another OB comes in, it won't be the emergency OB. It'll just be the normal OB who's here for the day. Mm -hmm. And we, you can have your surgery first thing in the morning. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. And by this stage, I was getting a little uncomfortable. Didn't realize it was contractions because it wasn't frequent and it wasn't painful. It was just every so often I'd sort of, it was almost like I just get uncomfortable in the way that I was lying. Mm -hmm. And there was a little bit of pressure. And then she literally walks out the door and goes, I'll be back. We'll see how you go if you get the contractions. She walks out the door, door shuts, and I get the biggest contraction. And I was like, oh, oh wow, that's what a contraction feels like. Great. So I just looked at hubby and I was like, well, obviously we're going to be in theater then. So she came back a couple of minutes later. She's like, oh, you are very much laboring. And I was like, yes, yeah, it definitely feels like that. And so she, so sweet. She was like, oh, are you still feeling any water coming out? I was like, yeah, it just feels like it's sort of at this point, like just slowly coming out. <laughs> and so she's like, oh, we're just going to grab a towel and just pop your legs up a little bit just so it'll help with the contractions. It'll just make you a little bit more comfortable. It's like, okay, thank you. She lifts up my feet and it was just obviously something 
shifted and I just goosh. That was you. Yeah. So then she was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yep. That's why we wear gumboots to work. <laughs> and I was like, well, my hubby's in like pluggers. So sorry about that. <laughs> and I felt so embarrassed. And I was like, you're in a maternity ward. Like, get over yourself. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, I've got to leave all the self-conscious nonsense at home because we're having a baby and this is just what happens. So at that point I was like, okay, I'm having quite active contractions now. She's like, no worries. We're going to prep you for theater. You're going to be number one. And I was like, okay, no worries. So it was probably getting close to about 10:30. It's hard for the timing because they kind of take everything off you because they are very conscious that at any point they might need to rush you into theater Mm -hmm. if things start to go south really quickly. So I didn't have my, anything on I think I had my wedding ring on that was about it I didn't have my phone with me nothing so I had messaged my parents and I think I messaged you on the way into the hospital to say hey guys think my water broke probably gonna have a baby tonight we'll keep you in the loop but I knew it was late so you know my parents kind of called me straight away and they're like okay no worries like keep us updated you know, it's 11 o'clock and my parents are nearing their 70s, so they were going to go to bed, Yeah, which is understandable. You never sleep, so I think I'm a night owl. I was awake. I was excited then. I think yeah. I got a photo of the acrylics half put off because yeah. I had to get me <laughs> off before I had surgery. Yeah, I was a little stressed about that. So we were in the hospital. They were like, okay, it's, it's go time, and all of a sudden the room was full of people. So I had my anaesthetist in. He had two people with him him uh they were really cool as well obviously very comfortable with what was going on technically it was considered an emergency because i had an elective c-section on the friday morning and obviously this was not that so as far as the team were concerned it was an emergency c-section but it was really really calm Mm -hmm. the ob came in had a chat i'd never met this man in my life he was lovely though he tried to cannulate me three times which if anyone's ever tried to cannulate a pregnant woman, we have pretty fat veins. So it was a bit of a running joke. And my husband is very comfortable with cannulation. So he was really fighting back being like, do you want me to just do it? He didn't do that because he was like, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. This man's responsible for my, my wife and child. I'll just let him do what he's doing. But he was like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And it, the, like he'd punctured me like three times, made me bleed all over the place, and then like instantly got a bruise on my arm. And he's like, oh, this is this never happens. I'm, I'm really usually quite good at this. And I was like, okay, sure, no worries. Um, and then the anaesthetist came in. He's like, we're going to put a needle into your back so that we can anaesthetize you from, you know, the waist down so you're not going to feel any of the surgery, which – Obviously, I'm very, very grateful for because <laughs> I got pictures afterwards and, yeah, you don't want to be feeling any of that. And then within a couple of minutes, we were wheeled in. So he was technically born, I think, a little bit after midnight and the team was so good. You know, they had said to me before we went in, they could tell I was really nervous. I was shaking uncontrollably. I have never been in hospital, let alone in a theatre. Yeah. My husband works in one. So for him, he's the cool cucumber. They're like, oh, we're going to put you in scrubs. And they didn't know he was a doctor. So they were like, oh, all the hubbies love this. This, You know, <laughs> it's really fun to play doctor. And he just looked at me and we kind of exchanged glances. And I was like, ha ha, yeah. This is not a novelty. 
I was like, this is what he wears to work every day. But yeah, cool. So he knew exactly what it, he's just gone to go get his scrubs on. He's put the little booties on. He's got his little hairnet and he's just really comfortable. And, you know, the team are like, did you have anything on your birth plan that we can implement now? So when you have a elective C-section, we had like a whole schedule of what we wanted. So I had an album of photos on my phone that I wanted to look through while I was being cut open to keep myself really calm. So that was my serotonin boost <laughs> photo album. And it had things like photos of you and I, photos of trips Ash and I had done together, photos of my family, photos of our pets, things that I knew would like bring up really good memories for me so that I didn't allow myself to get freaked out by where I was and I could sort of take myself away from the situation Mm -hmm. because I was really scared of surgery. Never had it before, terrified. So they're like, that's cool. We can still do that. They're like, do you have any music that you really want? I was like, oh, actually we'd made a playlist. They're like, cool. And then, you know, one of the doctors shouted out and was like, go and get these guys a portable speaker from somewhere, one of the other birthing suites. So they ran out to get that. They made sure it was all hooked up and playing the music for me while I was getting my epidural put into my back. Mm-hmm. So I had my music from day dot, like from, from the second that I was having any of the scary stuff, we had our good vibe music. And I just knew how important that would be for me so that I didn't get overwhelmed and terrified of what was going to happen. Yeah, And, and I'd prepared that it was going to be a bit scary, but I hadn't prepared that like I was trying to project that I was okay to everybody, but I just went really quiet and really into myself and my whole body just was shaking uncontrollably. So they were like giving me warm blankets and everything to try and make it as comfortable as possible for me. And I'm so grateful for the birthing team that I had because I could not fault them. They were so calming at one stage. They needed to get me all clean and ready. So you know, I was in the hospital gown and had the booties put on and had the hair net put on and they needed to make sure that the area of where they were going to put the incision was nice and clean and sterile. So they popped Ash out for a minute, but they made sure that I always had somebody with me, yeah. one of the assistants to hold my hand and just, it, he was really good when I was getting uh, my needle put in my back that one of the guys was like, grab onto my shoulders. We're just going to breathe together. And he was so calming for me and the fact that I couldn't have Ash in at that point it was so good to have somebody else that was so respectful and genuinely caring about what I was going through yeah and then obviously Ash could come back in and they're like do you want to be down the baby end or the head end he's like head end so I can (laughs) help my wife through this because I was quite scared and the way that you're sort of splayed out on the table at that point because this is after I've had my epidural put in I had no feeling from like my armpits down and even my arms and my hands, I couldn't really feel very much. And you're sort of spread out like an eagle on <laughs> the back. So, you know, having Ash near my head was really helpful because he was just flicking through the photos for me, playing the videos as they came up, made sure that, you know, he, he was just communicating with me the whole time. Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And all I remember from that, because you, can, you can't feel anything painful, but you can feel tugging and movement happening on your body mm-hmm. I didn't have any pain during that time just pressure kind of yeah just yeah. the pressure of 
pulling and twisting and things moving around and you can hear a lot going on as well. Um, but they were so good. They were so calm and gentle and really jovial, like the high vibe in there. It wasn't, oh, my God, scary. Everyone's really tense. Everyone was really in a good mood, which yep. was so nice. So I think that really helped us. And then they sort of gave us an opportunity to say, okay, guys, he's coming out now and – I could feel like the last tug and then I couldn't hear anything. And then I heard the cry and it was just, I started crying. I was so emotional about it. The fact that he was the here and he was okay and I was okay and Ash was with me. It was really, really beautiful. And I could hear him crying and then I heard the words hip dysplasia and that was really scary because yeah. I was like, it's been confirmed. And at this stage, Ash was over in the station. So they take the baby out, they put them into a station, they weigh them, they see what length they are, they make sure that everything's working as it should be. So they make sure like they, their eyes are open and they are verbally making some kind of noise or a cry to make sure that, you know, they haven't, they're not aspirating any liquid, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the anaesthetist, the head anaesthetist that I had was like, oh, okay, yeah. And he was sort of communicating with the OB about the hip dysplasia and Ash was up with the OB at that point. And it was really obvious when he came out, like his legs couldn't lie flat. Mm -hmm. Like he, his, as soon as you moved your hand away from pressure on his feet, his feet would fly back into his face. So it was quite severe. And I just remember hearing that early and it freaked me out and I started crying and the anaesthetist was like don't worry about it my daughter had it and she's five now and you'd never know you know he's like it's really easy they've got great treatment for it please don't let this stress you out we've got your back you're safe the baby's safe he's perfect he's healthy it's just a little thing don't let yourself get overwhelmed in this moment by that he's like your son is so beautiful don't let that upset you right now so that was really nice to have that reassuring voice of reason in that yeah. really emotional time after he got weighed and measured and I'd had that little chat with the anaesthetist because I'm still like splayed out on the table can't move mm -hmm. um they brought him over and they put him onto my chest so that was another thing for us that was in the original birth plan was that I wanted skin to skin as soon as possible because mm -hmm. a lot of people say it helps to establish the bond for you and the baby. And it's a really emotional time as well. There's so much going through your mind. And so they bundle them all up really sweet and keep them nice and warm. And then they bring over extra warm blankets for me as well. Mm -hmm. And then popped him onto my chest and they were really sweet. They took photos, which was amazing to have photos in that moment yeah. of like straight after if i can give any advice for someone who's going in to have a c-section make sure you give your phone to somebody that's going to be in there with you and ask them if they can take a few photos because there's always usually an extra assistant or two that are in there that are able to do that in that moment it's pretty common mm -hmm. so don't feel shy about asking for that because that moment is so beautiful and so sweet and often will come and go really quickly without you having a lot of time to process or soak it in. 
So we got our photos and that was really beautiful. And one of the assistants had actually taken videos and photos of the whole process for us, which I didn't know because she'd sent them immediately to Ash, not to me, um, because she was like, I'm not going to have these on your camera roll until you're ready. So she'd taken Ash's phone and made sure that he had all of the surgery photos and that the baby and stuff um so that I could look back at them when I was ready which I was really grateful for because it was really interesting obviously I didn't know what was going on down there so to have the photos where I can see him coming into this world is really really special and I am so grateful to have those Mm -hmm. um but anyway so after we'd done our skin to skin Ted was mouthing like he needed to have a feed which is really great it's a good sign So they took him out with Ash and they went into a separate recovery area because they had to get stitched up. Like, obviously, they're doing it there and then while everything else is going on. But it does take a little bit longer to do that than it does, I suppose, if you were to have a natural birth and not have any medical intervention at that point. So I wasn't able to feed him straight away. So they finished that and it was probably only about 10 minutes or so. And then I got wheeled into recovery where Ted was with Ash and he was starting to cry at that point because he was hungry. So I was in the recovery bed. They put him back on top of me and a midwife pretty much came over to me straight away and was like, are you going to breastfeed? And I said, yeah, I'd like to try. And she just whipped out my boob and showed me how to do it and then that was that and then we were in recovery for quite a while I have a really low blood pressure all the time it's just a thing with me it used to cause me a lot of problems when I was younger but it's just how I am some people naturally have high blood pressure I have naturally low blood pressure so it took them a little bit longer than usual in terms of when they were happy for me to get out of recovery Mm-hmm. because my low blood pressure was lower than they are usually comfortable releasing you out of that area. So we were in there for a good maybe two, three hours, whereas usually you might only be in there for like 45 to an hour and then you get put into your room. So in that time, they were just constantly monitoring and checking. I was constantly checked to see how my an, um, anesthesia was going. So they would put like a little ice cube on on different parts of my body to see what I could feel. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing. It was taking quite a while for my body to get rid of the anesthesia. So they were waiting for me to be able to have enough feeling so that I would be able to like raise my arms and help, you know, the baby to be able to feed for the next couple of hours. Cause when they come out, that's kind of the first thing that they want to do. They want to eat. And then they just kind of keep doing that almost like every hour until your milk comes in because the first couple of days you're just producing colostrum. So the more that you can try and feed, the more colostrum the baby will get and then the sooner your milk will come in. Yeah. So after a couple of hours we got wheeled back in and we got our broom straight away. They'd already set it up. They'd put our bags in there and then Ted went to sleep. So I was just sitting in my hospital bed, wide awake, absolutely starving. And it was like three o'clock in the morning. And that's the only bad thing about having a baby at three o'clock in the morning is that you can't message anyone to tell them. I think I messaged you. Yeah. 
And I think I woke up at like five and I was like, oh, there's baby here. There's baby here. Yeah. So I sent you a little, little photo, you know, he was asleep and it was all very sweet. And I just wanted to let people know. And I said to Aksha, I was like, I'm really hungry. And I didn't get a chance to go and get my hospital snacks. So could you go get me something to eat? And so once you're in the hospital, like the hospital I was staying in, you get 24-7 access to food. There's always snacks in your room. There's always access to food because it is a big toll on your body and you are burning so much energy. So it's pretty common to, after you give birth, be really hungry, but I just didn't have anything. So he's like, okay, I'll, I'll go and get food. Are you sure you're going to be fine here? And I had like the little beeper if I needed a nurse or something went wrong. And I was like, yeah, how long can it be? You're just going to go to 7-Eleven is fine. So then it was just Ted and I hanging out in the room for about 45 minutes by ourselves. He was asleep and I think I was just checking Instagram. (laughs) And it was a weird feeling because I was like, I just gave birth. I can't tell anyone. My husband's not here because he's out getting me snacks and my baby's asleep. What do I do? What do I do? So I just, just chilled, scrolled Instagram. Now that I know that I'll never get the chance to scroll Instagram without somebody needing my attention and it not being like 10 o'clock at night and I'm too tired to even see what's going on, I probably would have saved that moment a little more. (laughs) But that was how it ended. So all of the rush and the excitement and the emotion all sort of boiled down to just a very quiet moment at three o'clock in the morning of just lying in my hospital bed with my baby asleep, not being able to tell anybody that I'd just given birth and it felt a little anticlimactic, but I was too tired to just go to sleep. Yeah. So that was that. And then we just had this beautiful, blissful week in the hospital. No one, I don't think anyone gets out of birth completely unscathed. So I got a rash from the iodine that they'd used to put on my back while they were cleaning to put my epidural in Mm -hmm. and the beautiful stunning disposable underpants that they give you are plastic so my body reacted quite badly to that so I got two different rashes uh but other than that I was pretty pretty okay yeah and then it was all the post-birth things from there which is a whole different can of worms and the staff were really fantastic we had a mix of different midwives coming in over the course of the week so they really helped me to work out to establish my breastfeeding it was difficult to start with as i think it is for 99 percent of people and i'm just really lucky that we eventually got there but it was fantastic i couldn't fault it and he was wonderful the week after we got out of hospital we took him to a specialist to assist with his hip dysplasia and started his treatment for that and now it's nine months later. Here he's we here. are. He's perfect. He's wonderful. And, you know, the hip dysplasia thing, maybe we'll do an episode on that because maybe it is more common and maybe there are people out there. I couldn't find a lot of information for Australian treatment when I was looking into it. Or I just find really intense people that sort of don't listen to their doctors a lot (laughs) which again I think is something pretty common when it comes to mumming anytime you come up against anything where there is a medical intervention you will find an extremely passionate group of people who are very anti-medical intervention for whatever it is you're dealing with and that's just I don't know if that's just the way it is now or whether that's motherhood but I have noticed that a lot (laughs) yeah we 
did our treatment for 16 weeks with him as we were prescribed to. Now we are just on yearly checkups and it hasn't changed his life in any way. He's fantastic. He's very active kid. He's always up and about trying to get around. He hasn't crawled yet, but I don't know that that has a lot to do with his hip dysplasia. Probably just him as a little person. He's always standing, pulling he, himself up he on loves, things. Yeah, loves to stand. It's always pulling himself up on things. So we were really lucky and I know that we were really lucky in the fact that there was no need to have any other medical intervention straight after his birth. I recovered really quickly, really easily. I was out walking within a week of having my C-section. I was really scared that because we were in a two-story house at the time and I was really scared knowing that, oh, my God, like I'm having a C-section. Some people on the internet have said that they weren't able to walk upstairs for four weeks. Is that going to be me? Am I going to have to sleep on the couch? You know, our bedroom, our nursery, everything was upstairs. So I was like, am I just going to walk up there one time and then have to live up there? But, you know, it really wasn't a problem. I just took it really slow and Ash was home with me. So I just didn't carry the baby up or down the stairs until I felt ready. He would do it. And, yeah, we managed to get ourselves all healed up and here we are many, many, many moons later with a whole myriad of other things (laughs) who have to be my baby challenges. So I think... The big thing that I took from my birth is that when you are doing your birthing classes and when you are researching about having a baby, everything is hung on the birth. And it just seems so backwards because realistically, yes, it can be traumatic and yes, it can be really scary, but it's such a small part of your baby's journey that I you have very little control over that small part. Right. Like, you know, you can have all the plans, you can have all the ideas, but at the end of the day, as long as you and Bob get here safely, there is no control over how that happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that bigger challenges come for probably most people, those who don't have any complications on the actual birth, most of your complications come after. The hard stuff comes after. The hard stuff where you're trying to recover and look after a baby for the first time, you're trying to establish breastfeeding, your body feels totally alien because you've gotten used to the way it was for nine months and then all of a sudden it's completely different. And it does take time to feel like you are back in your body properly things start to change and heal and move and you're sort of constantly like oh is that okay like that was a bit of a twinge is everything okay am I healing okay it's not like we can look inside ourselves and see if everything's okay so I think that if people could put less pressure on their birth it would probably feel less scary Mm -hmm. and put more emphasis on yes your birth will happen and yes it will probably change you as a person because it is a big thing to go through but just know that once they're here that's when a lot more happens and maybe if you want to spend a bit more time preparing for after the birth then I think people will feel more comfortable about it like I think we just need to take off the pressure. Yeah. It seems like everyone just wants to talk about how they have their birth and where that, you know, it's it's trauma, it's trauma, it's trauma. It can be, and I don't want to take that away from anybody because I know that we're really lucky we had a safe and relatively easy birth, but I just feel like if we could take the pressure off, maybe it would relieve a bit of the fear as well and people weren't investing so much in the way that their baby gets here and that they could give a little more space in their mind 
to what it'll be like once the baby is here. Yeah. I mean, none of this is new to you, obviously. It's all just new to our listeners. But, you know, I think we both feel a bit emotional hearing about how Ted came back in again and reliving it all. And Absolutely. yeah. Yeah, it's always a big thing and everyone's birth is different. This is just my experience and I'm sure that lots of people have had something similar and lots of people have something different. And I never want to take away from any way that anyone's baby gets here. If it's through medical intervention or you are just doing it yourself, completely unassisted in a block pool in your living room, whatever way your baby gets here, it's amazing. It's an absolute miracle. And I just have so much respect for any person who gets to the point where they are able to birth a babe. Because yeah. it's, it's huge. It's a huge yeah. part of your life. Definitely. Well, guys, that's my story. <laughs> that's us for today, I think. If you have any questions, you can find us on social media. I'd be happy to answer a little few things there. If you've got anything specific you want to inquire a bit more about. Absolutely. Yeah, if you guys have any questions about the birth process or my birth story or anything in terms of what I've shared today please find us on tiktok instagram and facebook also if you have enjoyed this episode why don't you go ahead and share it to one of your socials so that other mamas and parents to be out there or people who are just interested in this journey can have a listen and thanks so much for being here guys bye